Hello, and welcome to the Soul Horizon podcast. In this mini episode, we're going to be examining the stories that we tell ourselves. More specifically, we're going to be talking about the fear-based stories that the mind loops through that end up limiting our actions or our expression of our authentic self in some way, shape, or form. Let's just get right into it since this is going to be a shorter one. So what are stories in this context? These are really the fear-based stories that the mind creates that end up limiting or stifling our ability to really hold space for and embody our most authentic expression of self. These mind-based stories tend to stop us from pursuing the path of the heart, which is ultimately the path that's going to align us with our divine purpose or our destiny or fated path. And because of this, when we believe in these stories and we listen to their guidance, which is often misguided and really redirects or reroutes us away from that path of destiny or fate, what happens, though, is that this causes a slow but very insidious sort of edginess or discontent with life. And this is because believing in those stories ultimately ends up making us play much smaller and often safer than we would otherwise have or would otherwise do. Some common storylines, elements, and themes are as follows. So not being enough of insert really any trait or quality here to do X or just plain not being enough, period. We might also say, you know, I'm not the kind of person who insert X pursuit here or these what if I do X and then Y happens type storylines or what would people think if I dot 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 or I'm too busy to X. Sometimes this is true and guided by the heart, like we really are just genuinely too busy to do something, but sometimes it truly is fear-based, and this is just a story that we use to divert our efforts into less scary ways forward. Another theme is this fear of embarrassment, fear of failure, or even fear of ridicule. General themes of self-doubt, of shame, guilt, or a general intolerance to uncertainty and to the unknown. This is a very limited list, and there are literally probably thousands of other themes to these stories that we can think of. But just to get you thinking and to inspire some of your own stories to come to the surface of your awareness right now so that you can play with these a little bit. So how do these looping background stories end up affecting us? Again, there are many, many, many ways that these stories can affect us. But here are just a very few number of the most common ways that these fear-based story loops end up wreaking havoc on our lives. They convince us to play small. They create chaos and inhibit peace because all that energy is sort of welling up inside of us and causing us to feel this angst of, you know, there's got to be more to life than this because we've just closed ourselves in so much. We've sort of put ourselves in a cage of our own making without intending to. Like we thought we were freeing ourselves with safety and certainty, but in fact, we have put ourselves in our own personal prison. They tend to inspire self-sabotaging behaviors, and they prohibit us from evolving because they keep us locked into a former version of ourselves that we've already outgrown. Now let's talk about how we begin to replace or dismantle these unhelpful or life-limiting stories. 
And again, please keep in mind that because this is a mini episode, this explanation is far from exhaustive, but just to get us thinking and get our wheels turning. So in the first section, we'll go through a general process. And then in the second section, we're going to get into a few specific ways to dissolve the power that these stories have over us. Step number one is noticing. Noticing the story is the first step. The story does not want to be seen, or rather your ego or mind doesn't want you to see the story because then the story loses its power. Before it was seen as a story, the story was an element of our reality. So we believed it to be true. We didn't see it as a story, right? However, in seeing that the story is just a story, its power over us begins to soften. When we get to know the content of our mind's favorite stories, we empower ourselves to begin to see through their illusions to the truth of what is hiding behind them. Step number two is awareness. So once you've identified your most prominent and stifling stories, bring awareness to when and how the stories show up in your life. So what scenarios or circumstances tend to trigger the story to begin looping in your mind? Environments, scenarios, circumstances, stressors. So for example, the accumulation of a lot of little stressors, if your bucket is filled to the top, it doesn't take much to get that story looping because it's right there at the ready of our stress and our insecurities. Sometimes people can even be the trigger to get this story looping. Again, we've talked about this before, but we don't blame or project onto the triggerer. It's not their responsibility to heal what gets triggered in us. That's solely on us to heal, although we can bring in healing partners alongside us on that journey. But it's no one else's responsibility to take ownership of the healing work that we need to do. The purpose of identifying what's likely to set off the limiting belief story loop isn't to avoid those things but rather to be intimately aware of what could initiate the story loop so that if and when it does initiate, we're then able to quickly soften its presence with awareness of, oh yeah, that's the same old story looping again. And that way we sort of halt it in its tracks from deepening its roots and then affecting our choices or our decisions. Because ultimately, these stories lead to related behaviors or they inspire behaviors from them. So we'll either do or not do something to honor or uphold that story. And when we become aware of when the story is likely to start looping, we give ourselves just a little bit more of an edge up or advantage over the story so that we can say, oh yeah, that's right. I thought it could come up in this instance and there it is. It's it's coming up. And now at least I know it's a story and I don't need to act in service to the story because the story is an illusion. Having awareness over the when and how of our stories allows us to understand what's sustaining the story as well. So we can't and shouldn't avoid situations that organically trigger the story loop, but we can and should recognize which situations the story loop is choosing to put us in to sustain itself and create these self-fulfilling prophecies. I hope this makes sense, but let me explain further with an example. So For example, let's say we have a story loop around not being enough that's sustained and supported through comparison to other people. There are everyday situations that will naturally occur that activate or trigger this story loop to unfold. That's expected. 
and very healing when we've identified that and work with it and dance with it. It's actually great that these opportunities come up because, again, they challenge us to look at the story. And then in looking at the story, we begin to unravel its power over us. However, if we know that social media, for instance, is a persistent trigger that adds fuel to the story's fire and we keep actively scrolling on social media, despite the fact that it makes us feel like garbage, then perhaps it's actually the story itself that's choosing that behavior of, you know, looking on social media so that it can continue to compare and uphold the validity that it thinks this story has when, of course, again, the story is an illusion. But again, it becomes that story choosing the behavior from the background of our minds rather than us actively choosing to scroll out of an authentic heart-based desire to connect with other people. This is really nuanced, and this is why it's so helpful to know our stories in a very intimate and detailed way. When we know the ins, outs, and intricacies of our limiting stories, we've gained the clarity needed to begin to dissolve their power. I heard a great quote from Teal Swan earlier today before I started recording this that was, quote, awareness causes healing and integration to occur spontaneously, end quote. Once we've noticed the story and the when and how of it, we can get curious about it. So why is it there? How is it affecting our ability to live fully and authentically? What would it look like if the story was rewritten or removed altogether? And so on. This open-hearted curiosity inspires a very powerful form of metacognition. And metacognition is thinking about our thinking. The energy, though, of curiosity really induces this state of receptiveness. And in this state, we've opened ourselves to receive the wisdom of circumstances and patterns from a bit of distance. It's really this openness to, like, tell me it all. When we're not resisting what's within us and we're just open and curious about, oh, that's interesting. That anger is interesting within me. I wonder where that's coming from. Rather than, ugh, anger, I can't feel that way. It doesn't fit in with my paradigm of who I think I am. So that curiosity really is an opening and receptive process, really, of the heart. Step number four is to embrace the story to replace the story. It would be so nice if we could simply reject the story and then have it instantly eject from our mind. Unfortunately, the subconscious mind does not work that way, and really the mind as a whole doesn't work that way. The more we fight against the story or resist it, the longer and more potently it will persist. As with so many of life's greatest predicaments, this one too requires a rather counterintuitive approach. So we don't reject the story, we embrace it with the loving kindness and compassion of our heart. The story is an illusion, so it's really this tall tale that the mind once told us that's become stuck in this ingrained pattern or loop. It's just looping out of habit at this point. And although it's just habitual and sort of seems innocent on the surface, it's actually directing and guiding many of our actions and decisions. But when we embrace the story with loving kindness and compassion, what happens is that this love and this acceptance frees it to start to dissolve. Love is really this elixir that dissolves all illusions within us and around us as well. 
So we allow the story to be and we have compassion for ourselves in the process. And while we allow the story to be, we use our heart to then create another more loving and supportive story alongside it, which is actually the fifth and final step in this process. So step number five is to create a love-based replacement story, one that's written from the heart and one that takes the opposite approach to the fear-based one. So one that really opens us up and gives us permission to take up space and expand into our full and authentic expression of self, big S, as lived through the self, little s. I like to think of these fear stories as sort of being these mind mad libs. So sometimes it can actually help to write out one or two sentences that summarize the fear-based story and then write a new version of the story that's infused with the heart's loving kindness, radical acceptance, reverence, self-compassion, however it shows up for you. And then what we do is we just allow these two storylines to coexist alongside one another until love has done its work. And one day we wake up and that fear-based story has just simply fallen away. And it's really just phased out of existence. Why? Because love makes illusion irrelevant. And now onto this last section, which is really a collection of just a few different things that we can do to really take action on this and begin to root into that heart-centered or love-based story more. So while we're embracing the mind's fear-based story, there are things that we can do to build upon our new heart-based story and to further anchor it into our experience. As with most things, actions speak louder than words. This is especially true when we're dealing with the subconscious mind. Direct experience is the magic maker. You can talk all you want and you can say all the affirmations you want, which affirmations can be helpful, but ultimately it's leading and actually starting to take action and alignment with that new story that's going to start to rewire and reprogram the subconscious mind. So let's get into a few different ways that we can anchor these new stories into our subconscious and start to overwrite the old stories. This is a non-exhaustive list, as always, but even more so than usual just because this is a mini episode. So the first way is therapy, which is literally fair-a-pee. And this is simply leaning into the mind's fears and pushing out on the boundaries that they've drawn around our lives and the way that we've allowed ourselves to show up in the world. It's essentially just an everyday practical version of exposure therapy, kind of like mini exposure therapies that we do day after day. In other words, we do the opposite of whatever the fear-based story is trying to convince us to do or not do. When confronted with mind-based fear, and this is opposed to body-based, instinctual, or survival-based fear, the trick is to lean in because leaning into the fear and allowing the fear to be felt as we move forward against it ends up dissolving it. Leaning in is what allows us to take back our power over the fearful story loop. Running from it only makes it stronger because we're just trying to make it go away and it doesn't feel seen or heard. I have an entire episode on therapy and the ins and outs of this process. I'll link it in the show notes for you in case you'd like to give it a listen. This next practice is embrace your duality by allowing. So we live in a world of 
duality, which means that there's two distinct sides to every experience, every belief, every feeling, etc. Generally speaking, the stronger the feeling, the further away its opposite exists. So oftentimes when our stories contain a very powerful energy or feeling theme, for instance, fear, we can feel very, very far away from that other side of the coin or the other prong of duality. For example, when we're smothered in a state of fear, love, like true love with a capital L, can feel like a very distant and impossible to reach state. Before we can access the feeling, we can use our mind to offer ourselves permission to feel both sides of whichever emotional spectrum of duality that we find ourselves on. Because if we're feeling one side of the spectrum strongly, then the other side is available to us as well. We're just misaligned with it or we're not aligned with it. It's merely a matter of riding that wave of energy to the other side. But to ride it, we have to allow it. So the easiest way to ride that wave of energy is to allow ourselves to feel it, to allow the energy to be within us in this moment. So we can say, you know, I allow myself to be afraid. I allow myself to be consumed by fear. And say this out loud, too. It's most powerful said out loud. And also, I allow myself to be love. I allow myself to be consumed by love. These are just quick and dirty sort of mantras of allowing that we can then recite to ourselves out loud. And as we do, we both acknowledge where we're at without judgment, and we remind ourselves of the potential that awaits us on the other side of that energetic wave. And finally, thought interruption. So we can't stop our thoughts, but we can do our best to interrupt them. Thought stopping... (laughs) That technique never worked for me. I don't know if it's worked for anyone. I know it's a for a while there was a popular and sort of well-talked about psychology technique. So again, we can't stop our thoughts, but we can do our best to interrupt them. Sometimes we're just simply too tired or too stressed to lean into that new love-inspired story loop. And so the fear-based one ends up taking hold and gets itself sort of stuck front and center in our thoughts, and it's just looping on repeat. It's really gained a lot of momentum. When this happens, though, one way to soften the story's power over the moment and to lean back into love is to simply interrupt that fear-based story's momentum. And we can do this by just pivoting in an entirely different direction. Oftentimes, the way to do this is to get up and do something physically. It's hard to just pivot the mind because essentially that's like thought stopping, right? But we can, for example, let's say that the story loop showed up while we were writing. You know, we're more in that thinking state of mind. In this case, we could pause the writing and, you know, go for a run, listen to upbeat music and start to dance around. Sometimes we can sort of redirect if we're seeking out something funny. So maybe we watch a series of funny YouTube videos or we sing, but something that really pulls on more of our senses than merely sitting there and letting the story loop on repeat. This is a bit of a distraction technique or an interruption technique. And, you know, that story will still be there waiting for us when we come back or when we're ready for it. But in times when we can tell that we're just too tired or too overwhelmed in other ways to deal with the story, rather than letting it, you know, just loop on repeat and anchor in further, it can be really helpful to engage with this technique. All right, 
Let's leave it here for today. I hope that this episode allowed your own wisdom to reveal itself to you in a deeper or more meaningful way. Thank you, as always, for listening. Until we chat again, take care. Take care.